Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Andy Martino here with John Harper. I'm holding up the back page of my esteemed alma mater. I want to make it very clear. Well, first of all, I want to make it really clear that this guy right here is the best baseball columnist uh, in New York. He's sputtering me up. It's he's true. Me up it's true, and that's what I said up. in the first place. Um, he's wrong about one thing, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Just one? I, well, Just one? This back, it was so shocking that I disagreed with you about something. I texted you this morning. wrote a whole right. thing about it. Anyway, this back page has uh, Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom Yankees uniform as an internet troll. Made Mets fans very happy. It made Mets fans very happy. I want to say I appreciate the trolling. I'm not disapproving of this column. Uh, of course, I wasn't the one that had to, or excuse me, of this back page. I wasn't the one that had to write the column. John did. It doesn't say that he's going to the Yankees. No. In fact, it says the Mets would never do that, and, and they wouldn't. And I wouldn't either if I was the Mets, because the Yankees, I mean, look, they do have the pieces I think the, the Mets need, but you can get that other places. If I'm the Mets, I'm not sending him over to the Yankees to watch him win championships. I understand that part of it. Right, so here's the big picture. Taking the Yankee thing aside, which, again, not happening, but nice troll job on the back page. <laughs> I miss my tabloid days sometimes. I like this. But the real debate here is whether the Mets, it's a major, major difference in what we think course they should Philosophy. think about taking is should they go into a rebuild, trade two guys who have obviously tremendous value in DeGrom and Syndergaard, or should they, like I say, if anything, lock them up, if certainly keep them if, you're not, if you don't want to pay them right now, uh, but say, hey, look, it's the wild card era. Maybe you can win 86 games one year with these two, even with a flawed team. Uh, but Well, hey, listen, I'm all for locking them up if you go out and sign Manny Machado next winter. I, I'm, or, I'm or with Bryce you Harper. Are, are, is that realistic? No. no. I mean, that, the problem here is, and I'm not saying they should do this yet. Absolutely. They, I think they need to go for it right now this year because the window, the big part of the uh, premise in the column was the Phillies and Braves are coming faster than expected. They're going to be good for the next few years now. Mm-hmm. And um, so the window has closed here. I thought this was the year they could take advantage of this, this division. Go for it now. But if you get to July and you're in a position where you're looking around and the Braves and Phillies are still in front of you, now you really have to make a decision. What are we doing here? Because they don't have the kids coming from the farm system to support DeGrom and Syndergaard if those are your main pieces. You know, I just think, I, I hear you, uh, and they are behind. I completely agree with you that they've found themselves behind multiple teams in the division when they thought they were just chasing right. the Nationals. So I agree with you on all that. 
I just can't see when you have two young, controllable ace-type pitchers. I know that neither of them, for injury and underperformance, aren't being aces right now. Right. But these guys are obviously yeah. high-end. Oh, yeah, if you have that, it takes so many years to find it, build it back up. you got to find another remarkable trade like the Blue Jays willing to send you to uh, Syndergaard like they were in 2012. So are you really willing, you ready to say the Mets are a couple months from going into a whole thing like that again? I, I, oh, I, it's a tough call. I wrote that. I'm not even sure, you know, if, if I'm making that, if I can make that decision if I'm the Mets. I'm just saying they have to be honest with themselves. Looking at what the, at the Braves and Phillies are doing, you know, if you're talking about trying to win 85, 86 games, you know, is that is that really how you're trying to win a championship? And I know we just went through kind of a rebuild, a losing era, and this window, you know, we thought it was going to be open longer than yeah. it looks like it might be. So, yeah, DeGrom and Syndergaard can be your guys, but if you can't build a team around them, and look, right now you've got a bunch of 30-something guys or, uh, in, for position players, and we know how that goes. You're already seeing the injuries to Cespedes, to Frazier, who's never really been hurt before, and, and Jay Bruce. So that's my fear is that you know, this is a time in baseball, the whole sport is trending so much younger now. If you don't have these guys coming, like young guys like Braves have with the Albies mm-hmm. and uh, Acuna and those guys, it's harder to win. It just seems like it's harder to win these days. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, May the 20th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time over at our friends at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We're also on The Grueling Truth, which is part of the iHeartRadio network. Get us over there. Happy Sunday to everybody. Hope all is well. Uh, Things looking as I anticipated, a little bit better for the Mets. Five of seven, including a three-game sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we have a lot to talk about. Joining us today is our friend. It's been a while since we talked to him. MLB.com correspondent, also contributor over at a great site called Clubhouse Corner. Longtime baseball journalist, covered the Trenton Thunder for a long time, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Yankees, Jed Weisberger. And why do we have Jed coming on in just a bit? Because the headline this week and a lot of the talk on talk radio and Twitter and what have you, as you heard a little tease there in the open with Andy Martino and John Harper, was the back page of the Daily News on a Friday morning, I believe it was. Essentially, John Harper going out there and saying, hey, now's the time. Mets need to trade DeGrom and Syndergaard. And the best place to do that is the Yankees. The Yankees have the prospects to get the necessary deal done. Mets could begin their process of tanking, falling to the bottom of the National League East, and rebuilding as their window is closed. That's the premise of that article, or that what the article really was talking about. And Joel Sherman chimed in with something similar as well over the New York Post without the trolling headline with the photos of DeGrom and Syndergaard like the Daily News. Now, anybody who's in media knows Daily News, that's their MO, whether it's Manish Mehta over on the NFL side, Frank Isola with the Knicks, now it's Harper with the baseball and the Mets and the Yankees. And Harper's very clearly been in the bag for the Yankees for a long time. Uh, Daily News is about inciting a lot of fan anger to create discussion, to get you know, obviously those that, that subscribe to the paper or whoever does that and also clicks on their internet site, that's the way they stay legitimate. I mean, it's a failing newspaper. It's a newspaper that's been losing a lot of money and I uh, wouldn't be surprised when bankrupt in the near future. And you've seen a lot of big-time columnists, well-respected columnists leave there qu- quite simply because the paper can't pay them anymore. So that that's that. That's my dig at the Daily News. Now, I understand the concept because a lot of the fans are not happy with this team. And After today, they're on pace for 89 wins. The idea of a tank is patently absurd. We all could agree on that. I don't think there's anybody out there that on on May 20th could say this team is done. Uh, Sure, we know the issues that exist. Uh, The the offense is feast of famine. It's prone to long brownouts, 
right now without Cespedes and Frazier. Uh, it's it's really tough because there's probably at least three innings a game where you're not going to get much offense, that bottom third of the order. I know Rosario did his part today, but for the most part, he's been uh, inconsistent. You've got a zero out of the catching spot. Mesoraco's doing a little bit better now uh, with, the, with the big home runs, but you've been a total, total zero out of the catching spot. Bruce and Conforto have been well below their career norms. Anybody not named Syndergaard and DeGrom in the starting rotation, the ERAs are combined for about six. And, um, you know, they're they're essentially playing with an American League roster without the DH, with only four players on the bench. One of them is a catcher, so you're really playing with three. So some nights you see some situations where Mickey Calloway's forced into some odd managerial moves. You saw that with Reyes yesterday and, and not pinch hitting for him with the bases loaded. With that said, this team is on a pace for 89 wins. They're right there in the thick of the division, a couple of games back of the Braves and the Phillies. And they're right in the muck with a bunch of other teams for the wild card. Now, let me address Harper's comments. Because there's a there's three components to Harper's comments about the Mets trading Syndergaard and DeGrom. And it is mainly because you have a very slow news day. Uh, that's... Uh, that's the main part of why you saw that headline and that column. It's a great talk radio fodder. It's great debate, great stuff to get you through a week where there's been nothing but rain, uh, not much baseball because the Yankees and Mets were had days off and rainouts, And there's not much sports going on locally because the NBA, there's nothing going on. The NFL is in the dead zone part of their off season. And uh, nobody cares about hockey. And, and if the Rangers aren't in it, nobody cares double that. So, I could understand Harper bringing that up. Where, where the thought process, which is a very serious thought process that both Harper and Joel Sherman put out there. And I think a lot of fans are buying into it. And that's what I don't understand. The thought process one is that the Braves and Phillies have arrived. And because of that, because they're better than the media thought they were going to be, who knows what baseball pundits and scouts and people internally with the Mets and others in the NLEs thought, but the media thought they'd be. Well, that's it. Uh, they have all these young players. They're going to be too tough to beat. Uh, there's no chance that they could continue to uh, Mets continue to stay up with them because it's a young man's game now. That's the new narrative. You know, it's a, it's a young man's game. And uh, that's it. It's over. So the Braves and the Phillies have arrived. Okay, let's let's dissect that. Just a month ago, Gabe Kapler was the biggest boob on the planet, and um, they were ready to after five games fire him because he. He brought a pitcher in cold, something that Terry Collins, by the way, did a few times during his take. Didn't hear anybody have outrage over that. So they were ready to bring him in cold. Now, all of a sudden, Gabe Kapler and the Phillies are the next best thing. The Braves have been hot. They played well. They swept the Mets at City Field. Uh, they took two out of three from them in Atlanta. The Mets blew one of those games, so very easily could have gone the other way. Uh, you've got Nick Markakis playing out of his mind, uh, playing, hitting 340. Uh, probably playing 40% better offense than he has his entire career. Ryan Flaherty, again, playing third base, playing out of his mind, playing way better than he did. Ozzie Albies playing way better, playing like an MVP over at uh, second base, on pace at 40 home runs. Freddie Freeman's doing his thing. You got uh, interesting arms coming out of the bullpen. The old bullpen looks really strong. And, hey, Sean Newcomb, he's a guy that right now is pitching at a Sandy Koufax level. So you got Sean Newcomb, Julio Tejeron, Mike Foley-Nevich, Brandon McCarthy, oh, that Soroka guy who uh, shut the Mets down. Well, by the way, he's on the DL right now uh, with some shoulder issues. But who cares? The Braves have arrived. They're unbeatable. And then you go over to the Philly side of the ledger, and you got old Dubal Herrera hitting, you know, on pace to do MVP numbers, 25-30 home runs, 340 batting average, uh, you know, way above his slightly above league average offensive output throughout his career for the last four or five years um you know cesar hernandez playing at an elite level at second base you've got uh, aaron nolan now in the rotation with jake arietta and uh you know away you go because those guys you know they're every bit Syndergaard and Degrom. i mean come on they're young teams they got some interesting players they're playing well they got hot here in the month of may uh let's put it this way Talk. I hate to sound like Mike Francesa. Talk to me in August when it comes to the Braves and the Phillies. There's a lot of baseball to be played. There's dog days coming up. There's long road trips. There's the injuries that will happen to them and the slumps that will happen to them. Talk to me then. 
does it mean that the division, which everyone thought was going to be the Nationals and the Mets, is not a little tighter than expected? Sure, it's going to be a lot tighter. This is going to be hard. Did anybody ever think the Mets were just going to waltz? Maybe after 11-1, they thought. Waltz to a playoff spot? I didn't think that coming into this year, and I didn't think that after they were 11-1. Making the playoffs and winning is hard, and it should be. It may look easy for teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Astros, but it's hard for them, too. It's hard for them, too. So all this is is competition. Oh, they arrived. That's it. Can't, can't do this. Too many teams to compete with. That's it. Back up. This is the new mindset. Back up. You know, we're not built, we're not built for this. We can't compete. We were only built to compete with a team like the Nationals and maybe one or two other contenders for the wild card. That's it. We're done. Because that's how they stuck into the playoffs in 2016. No, they've got to play at a higher level. The second component to this is the Yankees. The Yankees playing really well, playing at a 1998-level good. The media dying to get back into that silly narrative, the pinstripe narrative. And the way that Harper looks at this is that, believe me, don't be fooled. Mets ownership is very much a group that has rabbit ears and reads the papers. And they see things like that. And don't believe there's a kernel in the back of these media members' minds who are well, very well rooting for the Yankees because it's good for business in their eyes and good for them that say, well, if I put this out there, who knows? Maybe I could be the change agent that makes this happen. Yankees get their stud pitchers or pitcher if they get one or both. Uh, they give up prospects, and uh, the Mets could you know, be put into the rebuild narrative where we could talk about prospects. So they get that narrative they could play. They get the championship competitive level where they, they could play the you know, Red Sox-Yankees and everybody else BS that they went on for years with, which was never true to begin with because they didn't win every year, those teams. The Yankees won one World Series during that Yankee-Red Sox nonsense. Uh, the Red Sox won uh, three, but, you know, it wasn't like they waltzed to those World Series, either one of those teams. So this is about them hoping upon hope for the rebuilding of the Yankee dynasty and knowing that this is an easy way to do it because, hey, they could just scoop those guys up across the way. It's very simple. It's the, it's the Yankee fan uh, component of the media. But the real frustrating part of all this is that it's almost become a binary situation, the way they look at how teams are built, where now the narrative is you need under 30 positional players. It doesn't matter if they stink. You need them to be under 30 because once you're 30, you're, you're toast now. You have to sign a big free agent like Machado or Harper. That's the other thing, John Harper. You heard him say that in the open. They have to sign one of those guys. It would be nice. It would be nice to get Manny Machado, and I talked about it briefly last week, about maybe whatever type of um, you know, resources they have to kind of you know, go out there and go after Machado, even if it's a rental. That's something that we could debate later on because that's a huge risk. And then uh, it's assuming that you know what the future holds, that because if you get these prospects, you're set up because all prospects work out. Because of baseball prospectus or baseball America or – Whatever other publication or the Daily News or New York Post said these are the next big things. Joel Sherman's scout source said these were the next big things. They're going to work out. No doubt about it. Because in 2015, you all predicted that Matt Harvey was going to fizzle out, right? Because back in 2012, when the Mets, or let's go back to 2010, you all knew that 10th round draft pick called Jacob DeGrom was going to become an ace of a staff. You all knew Noah Syndergaard was going to be who he was when the Mets acquired him. No, you didn't. You, you didn't even care about Noah Syndergaard. The big name in that trade was Travis Darno. So you don't know the future. You don't know what the future is going to bring. And that's why you have to go about winning now. And the idea of tanking in baseball when t- first-round picks are no more certain than second, third, or fourth for the most part is just patently absurd. Look, I'm not saying the Mets should go out and throw every resource at a team that is 89-90 wins to maybe win two extra games to make the playoffs and compromise their future. I'm not saying that. But there's no reason why you can't continue to build and develop a farm system because you have no idea the guys at the lower levels that some of the names that you're hearing right now or some of the guys that have been drafted over the last couple of years like Justin Dunn and Anthony Kay and David Peterson. Now you hear Peter Alonzo, who nobody was talking about earlier this year until the last couple of weeks. You have no idea how good those guys are going to be. You know what? Mets are ranked, according to some publications, with the 27th best farm system. That might change in a year. That might change. I keep hearing the Mets have a top two, three, four, five farm system three, four years ago. Well, they got Mats out of it. They got Syndergaard out of it. They got DeGrom out of it. 
you know, it's not like they're teeming with uh, the spoils of those rankings. I heard Ahmed Rosario was the best prospect in baseball, and he's going through an adjustment. So this idea that it's a binary decision, and you either do this or you do that, it's just the same nonsense that goes when you spend the offseason saying who wins the offseason. It's the same thing. That's all it is. And to go out there and to buy into this and to disingenuinely troll the fans in a way that doesn't educate them about the whole picture, which is, okay, the Mets have a barren farm system because they're ranked 27th on a prospect list, but we haven't even talked about the fact that that was before the season, have, and we haven't done it here on this program yet, that there has not been a single individual that's dived into what's going on. There's a kid named McNeil in Binghamton. I'm not saying he's going to be a big prospect. He's got 12, 13 home runs. He's right up there with Peter Alonso. Nobody's talking about him. Talking about him. Nobody's talking about Justin Dunn, who's pitched well to start the year off, or David Peterson, their first-round pick from last year. You don't know. Jacob DeGrom was never a, a, a prospect, even when he first came up during that Subway Series. It was Rafael Montero, who nobody even wants on the team right now. So all you can do is continue to go out there Continue to compete, and you build around those two guys. And if you're going to trade them, it ain't going to be this year. It's going to be more towards when their contract is almost expiring the year before because you can win. There is not a team in this league. If you put their executives, I don't care who it is, in a room and say, you have to face the Mets in a five-game series in the postseason. That's what they want. They don't want that. They don't want to face the Grom and Syndergaard three or four out of five. It's the same task that the Mets had facing Kershaw. And Granky, and they luckily got got through it, but they had to outpitch those guys, and it wasn't easy. So, number one, there's no tanking here. This is a team on pace to win 89, 90 games, despite all the garbage and nonsense. That's number one. Number two, the Mets are not the Yankees' farm team, and the media is not going to make them into that. So don't be fooled into that. And that's their way of trolling the Mets fans to give them a, a, a rise, and also to hope upon hope to throw that Hail Mary that they could be the change agent and get ownership to think about it or get Sandy Olsen to think about it. Trust me. And number three, nobody in the media knows how to build a team, and there's not one way to build a team, and there's no reason why it can't be competing and winning on a daily basis and building a farm system. Because it doesn't matter if you have the top five, six picks. That doesn't mean that you're guaranteed anything. You have to draft well, and more importantly, you have to develop well. You have to develop well. And that's probably where you can knock the Mets more than anything is that Players have not really been a finished product coming up to the big leagues. Maybe the Yankees admittedly have done a better job with that. Aaron Judge came up, and Clyber Torres seems to have it going. Gary Sanchez, uh, Andujar, Miguel Andujar. They've got some guys coming up. They've got some guys like Torre, uh, Torre Ayers, you know, guys that, you know, component players, uh, Tyler Austin, that come from their farm system, Greg Bird, that, that, that are good. I and mean, the Mets could maybe do that. I like this guy, Luis Guillerme. I really do. I think he's probably better than Jose Reyes. I'd like to see him out there more. I think he's a contact hitter. I think he's a guy who can work the count, and he plays good defense. I'm not saying he's a star, but he's good. So there's going to be some guys coming out of this farm system to help this roster up and down, maybe not stars. But there's no reason to fall for this. There's no tanking. There's no reason to trade DeGrom as Syndergaard, no matter what happens this year. And I'll tell you what, it sure as heck ain't going to happen with the Yankees. It ain't going to happen. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, Jed Weisberger, our friend over at MLB.com, also Clubhouse Corner. Let's hear what he has to say about what I just uh, talked about, how I just outlined everything. And we'll get more about this from him right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today.
We're back, and joining us is our buddy Jed Weisberger. He's a correspondent, as you know, at MLB.com. Also, could check him out at Clubhouse Corner. He's done a lot in baseball over his career. Covered the Yankees, the Pirates, a long time covering the Trenton Thunder. And I'm happy to have him with us, Jed Weisberger. Jed, uh, happy Sunday. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. Uh, doing well. Uh, all these guys on Twitter were worried about the Yankees lineup today. Uh, a lot of worries, especially against the Kansas City Royals. They can hit a little bit, but they can't pitch. But uh, it's really uh, the Yankees are going to have some decisions to make. I mean, uh, you got guys coming back and uh, like Greg Bird and you got Tyler Austin. His uh, OPS against lefties is well over a thousand and uh you know, right now, uh, they're going to have to make some moves because uh, yeah, not everybody can play for the Yankees, but uh, it'll be interesting. But right now, uh, having won 21 of 25, they're really rolling. And it was also good this weekend to see an awakening in City Field. Uh, Arizona had been playing well. I mean, they started off real well, and then they kind of slowed down. But it was good to see the Mets dominate them a little bit. And if anybody wants to follow Jet on Twitter, if you're not already, he's at Zalman888, and he's always good to have some fun debate with. Well, let's let's get into what you just said. Not everybody could play for the Yankees, Jed, but if you listen to John Harper, he wants Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom to play for the Yankees, and he feels that uh, the Mets, who are in pace to win 89 games right now after today's victory, are probably better off punting on this season, punting on their current trajectory, rebuilding, and starting with those two guys, and what a perfect way, you know, they don't even have to get a plane ticket. They could just take a, a cab ride across town and go to the Yankees. Uh, your thoughts? Well, uh, I got to kind of disagree with uh, John a little bit, uh, who I respect immensely. He's a terrific writer. Here's the thing. If they trade those two pitchers to the Yankees or anywhere, what are you going to do? I mean, what are the fans going to come and see? And what is going to, you know, what do the Mets really have to offer? Uh you're going to have uh, Jay Bruce on his contract. You're going to have Todd Frazier with another year. You get these old guys and Cespedes. You have these two old guys making uh, mega bucks, and you don't have any pitching. Uh, of course, uh, Syndergaard, you know, or Degrom, either one of them, you put them on the Yankees staff, and uh, I'm sure that would bring a championship or put them pretty close to one. But uh, I can't. If I were, you know, I disagree with a lot of things that. Uh, the Mets have done, as you know, uh, but I cannot see in uh, their right minds trading those guys to the Yankees because, uh, you know, it would leave them with a team that would be totally non-competitive except for Cespedes and Frazier and uh, and Bruce and a, making a lot of money and a couple other guys that are okay but not great. They can't do that. I totally I disagree with that. Well, let's play They'd fantasy GM on- for a minute, Jed. That that's really set the fans off. And uh, if you were the if you were Sandy Alderson, now you know the Yankees system really well. You saw many of these kids that you mentioned, Tyler Austin and Greg Bird and Miguel Andujar. I mean, Gleyber Torres. You've seen these guys either in Trenton or spoken to them. You're close to the Yankees' development for a long time. If you were the Mets, and let's be realistic, what both teams would do. Let's not say both because that's a big haul that the Yankees probably wouldn't even be able to pull off or want to pull off. If they wanted one or the other, what's a fair deal, and why would it be a fair deal if the Mets went into this fictitious rebuild that you and I are on the same page? We don't support, but let's play fantasy baseball for a minute. What would it take to get one of those guys? Well, I think, first of all, they'd have to send somebody like Jordan Montgomery and Domingo Herman there to start with, those two pitchers. This is for one pitcher. I think they'd also have to add uh, Chance Adams, uh, who's a pretty good uh, pitcher in their system, and also the fast-rising Eric Swanson, who was promoted to Scranton today after going 500.44 at Trenton, uh, pitching, uh, having seven, uh, six out of seven uh, appearances in which he gave up no runs. That would be a start, and I think they'd have to throw in uh, – a pretty good prospect for down the road, Estevan Florial or a position player or somebody like that. It would definitely take a package with three pitchers and a position player to start with. And those pitchers you they feel could, could do help? It. I mean, they could do it. I mean, that could do it in those three pitchers. Do those guys, I mean, Montgomery, obviously, when he comes back, he's been hurt. He'll be in the rotation. Herman is already in the Yankees rotation. Uh, Chance Adams, I mean, oh, those guys would probably pitch the Mets rotation right away, you would think, right? I would agree. 
Hey, Mike, let's go back to trade deadline last year. Okay, and let's play fantasy, okay? Uh, the yep. Yankees were looking at Jay Bruce, and the Yankees offered two pretty good prospects. And I'm not going to say who the prospects were because uh, one of them is still with the Yankee system. But say they were two kids on the level of Jake Cave and Domingo Herman. How dumb was Sandy and the Wilpons for turning down a trade to get kids like that? I'm just saying one of which could have gone into the outfield for them, which they really need. Another could have gone into the rotation. Instead, they trade them to Cleveland, uh, who he knows are going to play the Yankees in the playoffs and, you know, get absolutely nothing for them and then have to overpay to get Bruce to come back. Now, the thing is, I wish the Yankees and the Mets would trade. I've written that. And uh, I think they could really help each other, especially now. I mean, uh, even if, uh, even if it was one pitcher, you know, even if it was uh, a reliever or something like that, I mean, trading, uh, L.J. Mazzilli doesn't make any difference. You know, he goes to Scranton, big deal. But uh, I just I just really get frustrated uh, over a lot of years, and I've written this, so I'm not talking out of school, of the Mets' just outright refusal to really do business with the Yankees. Well, you would have to think that if the Yankees are trading a prospect, and this has always been part of my feeling, like they're not going to give up somebody that's going to hurt them across town. Now, in a situation like you just brought up, the names you brought up for DeGrom, you know, one of those guys might, you know, Montgomery, I mean, who knows if any of those guys turn into the level of DeGrom, but they're solid enough. There's going to be some pain. Um, The Yankees have always been smart. They market the guys who they think that they probably won't necessarily need at the big league level, but have talent. And they keep the guys that are the real pieces. I mean, they've not really been hyping over the years. I mean, I know Aaron Judge was, was, was always a good prospect, but they didn't hype him. You know, they didn't hype him like no. you would hype someone to market to trade him. Same thing with Andujar. Clyber Torres was hyped because that's who he was from the minute the Yankees acquired him from the Cubs, and maybe the Cubs did that to get Chapman. So sometimes I always feel there's the marketing aspect that the Yankees are very good at when it comes to prospects, and the Mets are not so good at, uh, that, you know, you got to be able there to market what you have because part of making a deal is doing sales. It's like buying a car, right? I mean, it's not just binary. It's not just logical uh, all the time. There's emotion attached to all this. But it's been proven, exactly. I mean, uh, but it's been proven with Dustin Fowler, who looks terrific for Oakland in center field. It's been proven that uh, Jake Cave, who made his debut with a uh, double and a home run yesterday for Minnesota, that these kids were ready to play, that there was just no place for them to play in the uh, and with the Yankees. Now, I will say this about Fowler. It's very interesting. Had he, uh, had he not run into that stupid electrical box in White Sox Park, uh, he probably would have established himself as a fourth outfielder and a center fielder to play with the Yankees the rest of the year. And then when they came to trade for Sonny Gray, who finally looked like Sonny Gray today, um, I would say Quint Frazier probably would have gone uh, to Oakland with Caprellian and Jorge Mateo in that trade instead of Dustin Fowler. Now, you're absolutely right about the, the hyping. They don't hype anymore. They just look at who are the best people that they think will actually play in the Bronx, and they know not everybody will play there. But uh, what has happened this year is uh, Brian Cashman in 2008, I had a conversation with him, that's almost 10 years ago, and uh, Cashman said, hey, Jed, you're going to like this. He goes, what we're going to do is we're going to build an elite system and we'll sign what players we have to. There's no reason why we can't do both. Now the Yankees are doing both. And I think it's very scary for the rest of baseball. But, I mean, not everybody, again, can play with the Yankees. And I think if the Mets need help in the outfield and the Mets uh, need help overall and players to develop, I think they should certainly look uh, – across the river, and I think they should uh, they, they should deal. I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother the Yankees that Todd Frazier signed with, uh, with the uh, Mets for two years. Todd was great last year with the Yankees, but it doesn't matter. You got I mean, he's hurt right now, but he'll come back. But uh, you have a situation where they had both uh, Andujar, and they traded for Drury, and Andujar really worked on his defense and hit the ball and really seized the job. So, uh there's no problem. I mean, there's no problem. I wonder if the Mets still have a problem with what Strawberry and Gooden did with the Yankees after they played with them. I, some people think they do. Jed Weisberger, a correspondent at MLB.com, a Clubhouse Corner, joining me. You make an interesting point about your conversation with Cashman about 
and I know the Yankees, because of their resources and money, have an easier time of this than other teams, including the Mets. They're winning. They're competing. Even when they were, quote-unquote, rebuilding, they were competing. Uh, and if they snuck into the playoffs, they lost a wild-card game in 2015. Who the heck knows? Maybe they go to a World Series during the rebuilding year. You don't know. They they dealt Chapman and uh, Andrew Miller, uh, which Andrew Miller, they could you know imagine him in that bullpen. But uh, you know they, they did what they thought was needed. What bothers me, and you see this when you see what Harper's writing about and Joel Sherman, and there's a lot of group think in the media where now – there's only one way, and this is all sports, and it started with the NBA with the tanking, and it's making its way now. I think it's a baseball where either you're going to be an elite level like the Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros, or you're tanking. I mean, in baseball, it's foolhardy, I think, in any sport. Maybe not the NBA, but in baseball, even double so. Because, Jed, I'll tell you what, Mets are on pace to win about 89 games. And if the Mets sneak into the playoffs, I don't care if it's a division, a wild card, with 89-90 wins. I don't think Yankees included in a short series – any team is going to say that's a comfortable short series against the Mets with the Grom and Syndergaard and with a bullpen that's emerging as pretty decent. So, you know, to me, there's no reason to just tank. There's reason to continue to develop and draft well and compete at the big league level because, let's face it, when Sandy Alderson took over, nobody was planning on Jacob deGrom being Jacob deGrom. He was a shortstop at Stetson. You don't know who comes out of these farm systems. So it's not just about tanking and getting the top five pick especially in baseball. That, that's been a mindset that I think the fans have taken on, and it's being perpetuated a lot by the media and the group think of the media. Well, I, maybe it's because I started covering in the, late, in the mid to late 70s, you know, and covered ever since. I disagree with that. I mean, everybody wrote off the Pirates this year. I mean, they had a tough, tough day today, but uh, Pirates are a game and a half out of first place, and Trevor Williams is developing a top starter, and, they, and Corey Dickerson was a heck of an acquisition. I don't really think you can tank. I mean, uh, you look at the team, you know, I mean, you can try to tank, but getting top draft picks is not going to, I agree with you totally. And I disagree with those who think uh, it's not getting top draft picks in baseball is not going to make any difference. Where you make the moves is if you scout well and you sign things well, you know, you sign well internationally. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, a lot of these guys like Andujar, et cetera, et cetera, have come out of, you know, Domingo Herman came in a trade. But uh, a lot of these guys come, come out of the international uh, signing situation and whether or not there should be an international draft is another story. But I really think I'm glad to see uh, Omar Manaya back with the Mets because they got to re- – the first thing they got to do, Mike, is rebuild the system. Because uh, in the system, there's not a whole heck of a lot. The kid, uh, Guillerme, that just came up, I saw him play a thing, and he's a good player. Peter Alonso, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I mean, Jed, I like him a lot, Guillerme. Uh, some feel, you know, over the long haul, maybe he'll be better than Rosario, but uh, at the very least, I think he could be a very useful utility guy off the bench. Good approach to the plate, absolutely. old school type of player. He can also lead off for you, too, and bunt and get on. I like him. And Peter Alonso's hitting a lot of home runs in the Eastern League, which is good. Uh, I haven't seen him yet. So, like, I tweeted even today that somebody asked me about him, and I said, I don't want to really make judgment, obviously, until I see him play a few times, which if he's still at Binghamton next month, I will. But I'm wondering if he won't get promoted uh, to Vegas in June because he's got, like, 14 home runs already. I've heard his defense isn't isn't great, but – I covered a 1979 team with, where Bobby Robertson was the first baseman and uh, Stargell was the first baseman, and both of those guys were just bodies. You know, they caught the ball. As long as they scooped the ball and caught the ball, that was fine. So I'm not really worried about defensive first base. If this kid can uh, hit the ball on the major league level, uh, it makes sense to put Dominic Smith in the outfield where he might be able to help. You know, I mean, they, those, I like those kind of – I like that kind of thinking and uh, – forward thinking, but the Mets don't need to tank this year. They can easily make the playoffs, and they better do it this year because the Phillies and the Braves are coming up. Well, that's that actually is part of the uh, conversation because, look, the Phillies and the Braves have some interesting players. They're playing well. What's interesting, Jed, is where we are in, in media society where, and we talked, I think even on, I saw you on Twitter talk about this, after the first week of the season when Gabe Kapler came to City Field to uh, you know, he had that rough series where the Phillies lost, and then he had the pitcher come in cold, which that's not the first time that a pitcher's come in cold from a big league manager. That happens. That probably happens more than fans want to know uh, because there's sometimes his miscommunications. Happened under Terry Collins. I know that for a fact. 
Um, but, you know, things change. Like, you know, Gabe Kapler was getting fired a month ago. Now the Phillies are fighting with the Braves for first place. The Braves have some guys, uh, you know, Ozzy Albies and, and Nick Markakis. I mean, they're playing way above their head. Uh, Odubel, uh, uh, you know, is playing great Herrera. over in uh, – yeah, Herrera is playing great in, in Philadelphia, Cesar Hernandez. I mean, look, I don't know if they're going to be at this level. They're playing well. They're much better than they were. Instead of being cannon fodder, they're competitive. That doesn't mean that the Mets just give up. That doesn't mean that these guys no. aren't going to go through their, their bumps. And that's the thing. Like, people are saying, well, you know, the Braves and Phillies have arrived. Well, that's it. You can't compete. Well, you can't have three, four good teams in a division. It's against the rules. That's actually, I think, would make for a great yeah. pennant race. We used to, remember we used to talk about that back in the day, Jed, with the AL East, about the Red Sox, yeah. the Yankees, the Rays. You know, maybe the Blue Jays yeah. sneak in. Could you ever get a three or four team race? It never happened. But, you know, everyone's been dying for something like that. And maybe it could happen. The AL East used to be like that in the 70s, too, for a while. Hey, NL Central this year, if the Pirates can keep this up, if they, uh, if they play 500 ball from now on, they'll win 87 games. So they'll be in there, too. We'll see if that happens. But I mean, the point is, uh, the point is, if the Pirates are competitive, at least, and they appear they will be, the Cubs are, have not turned it on yet. The Cardinals are not as good as they were last year. Milwaukee... It's a good lineup, but they still are two pitchers away from really being a championship team. I mean, if they get Jimmy Nelson back in good shape, they'll be one pitcher away. And then the Reds are rebuilding. But, I mean, there are four teams in the NL Central that can uh, win. It's nice to see Arizona and Colorado in the NL West. And it's nice in uh, the NL East to see the Braves and the Phillies uh, do some things. Uh, I spent a decent amount of time with Gabe Kapler because uh, I'm a Philly-based correspondent with MLB right now, the way they geographically did things which is fine because uh, Citizens Park is 31 miles from my house. But uh, as far as that's concerned, but I was really impressed with Gabe. I'll tell you why. In the beginning, right after that series, Mike, that you talked about, uh, Nick Williams made a comment that the computer seems to be making the lineup. So I asked Gabe right. to his face. I said, uh, we're talking pregame. And I said, Gabe, let me – I introduced myself to him. I knew him as a player, so he knew me. I said uh, – let me ask you this. How did you settle this thing with Nick Williams? Because Nick seems like he's in better shape today, you know, and more upbeat and everything. He says, well, I talked to Nick by himself. He came in. I explained to him, and I said, everybody will get in. And if you notice the way the Phillies play, if Althea starts, fine. Nick Williams pinch hits, like in the seventh inning. He's good defensively. If Nick Williams starts, a lot of times Althea pinch hits. So Gabe is, uh, you know, Gabe uses a lot of numbers. I mean, uh, he, he's learned that you can't, uh, Rob Thompson has helped him, in fact, like just because Odubel Herrera uh, doesn't uh, doesn't hit well against left-handed pitchers that might be from San Pedro de Macorís. It's no reason to sit him, I'm, you know, and according to the numbers. But uh, I'll be honest with you. I covered some of the Philly stuff under both uh, Sandberg, who I thought was an awful manager, and, under Pete, who I thought did the best he could with uh, what he had. But Gabe is really, he's really a breath of fresh air, you know, with what he's done. And, uh, you know, he has a good staff too, you know, and he has Rob Thompson next to him and uh, he has a good staff there. And uh, I think they're going to do fine. I mean, the signing of Arietta was huge. The signing of uh, Carlos uh, was huge too, because uh, Carlos that Payne. shows what they're going to yeah, do. Carlos Payne. No, not Carlos, right. not Carlos Pena, uh, the kid from Cleveland. The yeah, from right, Cleveland. Right, right. Carlos right, Santana. Right, right. Carlos Santana, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, no problem. I should have mentioned right. that. But anyway, uh, they showed what they're going to do. Now, um, the Braves, I mean, Acuna is doing what he's supposed to do. Albies is good. You know, they got a couple other guys that are playing well. I mean, uh, I was not really impressed with Washington. I mean, the Yankees only played five and a half innings against them, and they don't have a couple guys. But uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, gee, you know, it's it's interesting. You have Scherzer and you have uh, Strasburg. But behind that, I mean, Rourke has not been terrific. Uh, Gio has not been terrific. Well, what's so, funny, what's uh, funny, yeah, Jed, is that Harper said uh, yesterday is like, well, you know, you really, uh, if you're not going to trade Syndergaard and DeGrom, uh, the only other way to win is to sign a Machado or a Harper. And I'm like, well, that'd be great. Uh, but listen, neither one of those guys has a championship yet. And I think you can build a team with a lot of very players. I don't know if it's in the best interest of a team not named the Dodgers or the Yankees to build a team with a 30 or $40 million player anchoring that payroll for a decade. That's tough. 
Um, you know, it's just it's just amazing to me, Jed. You've seen so many different teams throughout your career, um, yeah. and I've seen teams. There's no one way to win a championship. Like the San Francisco Giants, who have three championships in the last decade, I don't think you would say they were star-studded any of those three teams. They were really good players, no. and they had some stars like Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner. Uh, even when the Panda at times was maybe have con- been considered a star, but they had some really good players, some solid veterans, and they all came together at the right time, and uh, they beat the Pirates in a big play-in game, and they won three championships. Yep. You know, that's that's a formula. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't give you a high percentage chance of being there every year, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's done well for the Giants. I see the Mets in a similar type of situation with that kind of team they built where you're hoping that everything comes together. And, and I guess in today's day and age, the fans don't like that. The fans want certainty. They want the computer to spit out high level of certainty. And apparently either tanking or being great and building through a farm system with blue chippers is the only way to do it. Well, I would agree with the last thing you said. I think the way to really build an organization is to build a farm system and uh, scout well, sign well, and build a system and uh, put your uh, But you don't have to lose 100 games in. five years in a row to do that. Like, that's no, the, the difference. Like, everyone thinks that's the, the way to do it. Be the Astros. That's what they're saying. The Yankees rebuilt in a year. I mean, it was fascinating. I mean, uh, the right. system was good, and they got some players that they got they got a Gliber Torres to top it off. I mean, uh, you know, that's a situation. I mean, it's a, you know the the White Sox are trying to do that, and uh, they're going nowhere. The key, Mike, is what I'm finding out from a lot of GMs I talk to is whether it's in Philadelphia and it's Matt Pentak, whether it's Cash, whether it's uh, the guys down in Atlanta. What I'm finding out from everybody. And the Orioles are finally – Brady Anderson is trying to peach, preach this in Baltimore. What you have to do is you have to build – the first thing you have to do is develop your own pitching. Because if you don't develop your own pitching, which the Mets have actually done, if you don't develop your own pitching, trying to get a starter is going to cost you a fortune. Like, look, at, look what's going on with you, Darvish. Is he performing to the level uh, he's being paid? Yeah. Absolutely not. And you're, and you're paying for these guys, like even Clayton Kershaw now, you'll pay for these guys yeah. in their 30s. And you don't know what you're going to get. What's interesting is that the Mets actually, I know that Mats has been struggling. I think a lot of Matt, I think Mickey Calloway is correct and really pushing Mats to start to, you know, not only control his motions, but start to think about his pitch selection, which, right. was, which killed him. Absolutely. But you also have Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman. And I know they're coming out of the bullpen and, and Lugo has been a godsend because the, the three, four and five spots, of the rotation have not been good. But you have some young arms that you might be able to slot in behind Syndergaard and DeGrom. I mean, the Mets don't aren't trash. I mean, that's the thing. And no, I would ask not you at this. All. I mean, what do you do? You, I think. I mean, I look at a guy like Tommy Glavin. It took him five years. I know he, that Mats is older than Glavin when he came up. It took him five years to figure it out. Mats is a lefty, and he's been about league average throughout his career, and he's struggling. And you know, maybe this is the first time he's had a pitching coach and manager that really know how to help develop him. Um, you know. Lugo, to me, until the rotation figures itself out, is too valuable coming out of the pen to bridge that starter who could only go four innings like Matt's last night. But I think Lugo could be a fine fourth or fifth starter. He has showed a lot during the World Baseball Classic last year before he got hurt. So I think they have some a pretty solid pitching staff, and that could take you a long way in this day and age. I totally agree. I don't think they should trade any of those guys because, again, you know, I mentioned that before, that pitching is, if you know, those guys, you know, DeGrom and, uh, and Syndergaard, first of all, are going to keep them in a lot of games. Mats will be okay. I agree with you also that Mickey is probably the best pitching coach he's ever had. And, uh, you know, Lugo and uh, I like Chris Flexen and, you know, in the minors still. There's a couple guys there. Corey Oswald I haven't seen as much of, but uh, he can pitch as well. They need to develop more of those guys. You know, the draftees from a couple years ago, you know, from two years ago. Um, they need to develop those guys and get a solid rotation. Get a solid uh, get a solid uh, closer, Mike, and then fill in with uh, those middle relievers that are so hard to get. You know what I mean? I, I don't think the Mets are trash at all. I think they started hot and got fans excited, and then when they had they had a few problems and things, you know, they had a, they had a tough streak uh, – fans got on them, but I mean, hey, look at Yankee fans on the other hand. When the Red Sox were 70-2, they were crying the season's over. The Yankees had right. a 19-2 and streak. 
the Yankees I remember, are under the Jed, cap. And com- yeah. I remember that week, and they lost three or four to the Orioles, which you look back. I mean, think about it. How, can the hell, how the heck can the Yankees lose three or four to the Orioles? How bad they've been. I was on WLIE, and I was like, they, yeah. I was like, well, look, listen, the Yankees have a good bullpen. They have an elite offense. Their starting pitching is a little dubious, but it will get them through most days. They're going to win 95-plus games. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's going to come down to the tournament. And that's what this sport has really become about, Jed. Yep. Now that you have multiple playoff uh, teams, it's not like the 1980s or the 70s where you had to win your division. You have a tournament. And once you get in, whether you won 85 games or 95 games or 105 games, uh, you're, you're a contender. It's very few teams, I think, get into the playoffs that can't navigate a short series, obviously manage properly. And, and, and to me, that should, should be a, a, a driver to stop the talk of tanking and not perpetuate it, which is amazing to me that we're still having this conversation. But this is what's happening. People are already writing teams off in May. If you're the Orioles or the Reds, I get it. But anybody else, I mean, come on right now. I don't, I don't think so. You're like, look at the Pirates. You think of the Pirates, if that division stays close, let's say, the Brewers or the Cubs don't run away with the Pirates continue to play well. They may not spend money to add, but they're not going to all of a sudden just trade players away. I would think they'd want to try to see if they could sneak in and do something. No, the thing with the, the you know, the tanking thing is crazy. They, you know, I love McCut. I love Andrew McCutcheon. He's a terrific guy. He lives in Pittsburgh still. He's going to, when he's done playing, he'll probably be a coach with the Pirates. I mean, he's a Pittsburgh, you know, person now. He's not, he's from Florida, but uh, hey, it's a business. He's playing in San Francisco. I mean, uh, you know, some of the players they got back will help them. I mean, the, you know, everybody was saying they got nothing back for Cole in Houston. Cole was not pitching like an ace in Pittsburgh. He had a couple of great starts. His last two starts have been how Garrett Cole was when he was in Pittsburgh, but we'll see what happens. The spinning the ball and everything the Astros are doing, I, you know, I mean, it didn't bother the Yankees at all, and the Yankees showed they could take them out of their game. But getting back to what I was mentioning is uh, – the Pirates have a good system, too, and they have a lot of kids. Uh, the Kingham kid came up and had a couple nice starts. They have other guys, Mitch Keller in the uh, in the minors. They have a couple guys pretty close. Austin Meadows had his first home run today. You know, like you said, they may not spend much to add, but if uh, they're in there and they need to bolster the bullpen, I mean, their, their payroll's $88 million. They'll probably do it. But, I mean, uh, teams – Teams, the teams that are bad, Mike, are bad because they're bad. They're bad because they didn't scout well, they didn't sign well, they didn't make good decisions. I mean, it's not tanking. I mean, it's not in this sport. I mean, the NBA is one is something else, but not in this sport. I mean, the Reds are bad because they had bad, a bad manager and bad management for years. Riggleman's trying to straighten it out. Okay, the White Sox are bad because uh, after they uh, won the won the World Series a bunch of years ago, they put nothing into their system. Detroit's bad because Dombrowski gutted their system, and uh, they had no system for like four years, and they had guys like Miguel Cabrera and that left. And the only guy they've produced in the last five years is Nick Castellanos, and they traded for Fulmer with the Mets, you know, in the Cespedes trade. You know, looking, you know, looking back, are, I don't know if that was an option. But it would have been much better for the Mets to hold on to Fulmer and Trey Wheeler. But you didn't know that at the time. When they, and who knows what Detroit? No, you didn't. Detroit might not have wanted Wheeler because he was on Tommy John surgery. He was on rehab. So well, let me interesting let me ask how those work out. The, it is. Let me ask you this: with the, what Dombrowski did in wrecking Boston's system to get Sale and some of those other guys, Manuel Margo was playing great in San Diego, and then Groom, their big pitching prospect, like a lot of them. It's not you know had. TJ, but it shouldn't hurt him if he's young and bounces back. But if uh, with Dombrowski wrecking their system in three or four years, that team could be Detroit. They're over the Listen, they're going for it now. Yeah. And, but they're, they're subscribing to the model of all in or all out. Let me ask you this, Jed, yeah. because this will be another thing that will come up. Manny Machado and, and Peter Angelus is a nut, so who knows what's going to happen. Manny Machado will be a rental <laughs> at some point. Um, Manny Machado will be a rental. And everybody says, well, the Mets don't have components to make a deal. But considering that he's a rental, you're not necessarily going to get everybody to jump in and give you what you want. Now, yeah, maybe uh, Addison Russell with Chicago is enough for the Cubs to make a swap with the Orioles. But, you know, you got a guy like Peter Alonzo. 
You've got some interesting arms like Justin Dunn and David Peterson down there in the minor yeah. leagues. Flexing, you mentioned uh, Oswald. Yeah. The Mets have a ton of relievers that they acquired last year. Drew Smith, there's Tyler Batchelor in Binghamton. You'll probably see those, some of those guys yep. next month when B-Mets come into Trenton. But, I mean, is it far-fetched? And I mean, I talked to Matt Eholt of the record, and he's like, nah, Mets will never get in. But even if it was just a rental, is it far-fetched for the Mets to go, hey, Let's just rip whatever we do have. I know it would decimate the system to go for it. I personally would take it very seriously and do that, even if it was a three-month rental. I know they did it once with Piazza, and it worked, but that's a different situation than a different world, a different league that we're in now. But uh, is that so crazy to think that something like that could happen? It's not. I mean, uh, it, it really isn't. I mean, considering that the Orioles need just about everything, I mean, uh, you know, they need bullpen people. They uh, Brock is okay. He's, it's his uh, his uh, walk here too, and Britain's hurt. I mean, they need just about everything. I mean, they have no pitching. I mean, Bundy tried to pitch yesterday, didn't do well. Tillman is is gone. You know what I mean? He's he can't get anybody out. I mean, given they need everything, and it was like five or six players, uh, four of which you mentioned could certainly uh, play for Baltimore right now. It isn't so far fetched. I mean, if would if we get the Mets over the top, you know, and get them in the playoffs, it might be good. And it's not, you know, it is New York, and there's no place to him, no place for him to play with the Yankees because you have Didi and you have Andujar and you have Drury. Um, you might be able to sell them on it's New York. Uh, you're here, uh, you know. Hey, the the city gets behind us when we win, and uh, maybe it'd work. I, I it's worth a shot. I mean, I have no problem. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just turn away and not listen. Oh, that's for sure. Hey, last thing, you know, we were talking about managers and Gabe Kapler, and look, Mickey Calloway to me is, is certainly learning. I mean, he, he hasn't been perfect, but uh, I think he's shown some really good qualities. I mean, I think he's pushing the players. I think he's got a, a, a better feel of connecting with today's players, especially pitchers. I know some of the in-game moves have bothered the fans, but he's he's really saddled with an AL-style roster with the 13 pitchers and the 12 position players where he's sort of hamstrung throughout the, the game because he's playing with a roster that's built for a DH in a, in a league that doesn't have the DH. Uh, I don't know how much you've seen of him. I know there's the whole lineup scenario and all that stuff, the lineup card. I think he's done a pretty good job, and uh, I know Sandy Alderson has publicly supported him more than he ever supported Terry Collins. Any thoughts on Mickey Calloway here, you know, eight weeks in or so of the uh, season? Uh, in my, in my, uh, I know Terry Francona real well. And, uh, as far as Mickey with Cleveland, I thought he did a good job. I thought he straightened out Carlos Carrasco. Uh, I thought he did a great job with relievers. I think he'll do fine. I mean, you know, Aaron Boone hasn't been perfect either. He's done a pretty good, he's done a good job. He relies on uh, his staff a lot too, as a first year manager. And fans are giving him crap. Like the big thing this morning is how's this lineup going to score any kind of runs? You know, what what Aaron did is he put people in there. He put players in there that hit lefty, uh, lefties, especially mediocre ones, well. And they scored 10 runs. Mickey obviously is going to have some flubs. I mean, you know, Cora hasn't been perfect in Boston either, and Aaron hasn't been perfect in uh, with the Yankees. But uh, as far as connecting with players, I think that's very important because I will tell you, Aaron connects with players a lot better than Girardi did. Right. And things are much more right. relaxed and much more upbeat than they were with Girardi, who uh, didn't like playing youngsters and some other things. Uh, I think Mickey will be fine. I mean, he, he, he sat next to Francona for how many years? And Terry is one of the best at pushing buttons. You know. Yeah, and he's very calm. I think that bothers – yeah, calm managers. And Francona is a calm manager. Sometimes those annoy fans during times of peril. Yeah. Because they want the manager to scream, yell, throw things, just like they are at home. And quite simply, that's just not the way to do it. And if you do do that, you get one shot at that. It better be right. It better make sense, or else you just look like a fool. And you look like yeah, what well, I used to why... accuse Terry of a lot of fake outrage. You know, fake outrage is worse than yeah. real outrage in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, the three uh, the three uh, first year managers that we see. I mean, the, the first year managers we've seen. I've been impressed with. I'm impressed with Gabe. I really have. He wants his system to work, and it is so far. I think Cora has done a nice job with the Red Sox. He calms a lot of problems up there, and he handles the tough Boston media really well. 
I think uh, Aaron has done fine. I mean, he's a pleasure to deal with, and uh, he knows the media because he was in it. And I think Callaway uh, is used to dealing with uh, questions, you know, about all the pitchers in Cleveland. And I think he'll be fine. I mean, uh, you know, your staff is important, and I totally agree with you. I mean, they need to adjust the roster somehow because they have an Amer- they do have an American League roster in the National League. No, absolutely. And, uh, Jed, one other guy they, one other guy to look for in Binghamton, uh, Jeff McNeil hit his 12th home run today. So if you get a chance to see him in Binghamton next month, second baseman, you know, lighten up the uh, I'm looking Eastern for. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I mean, what's amazing about the Eastern League, and I tweeted this uh, yesterday, is the Yankees don't have – the trend does not have half the talent like New Hampshire with Vlad and, uh, and uh, yeah. the other kids they have. And uh, some of the kids that Binghamton has and some of the kids that uh, Redding has, they don't have half the talent. But Jay, I could see how Jay Bell uh, won in the uh, Florida State League last year. I mean, they're like 13 games above 500. They have some pitching, but they don't have half the talent the other teams have. I mean, a lot of the Yankees' talent's in Class A. <laughs> right. So right. We'll no, see, I, we'll I, see listen. what happens. What do you got coming up? So MLB correspondent, I know you cover the Phillies a lot clubhouse corner yep. you know i'm sure if someone made a trip down to trenton they'd find you uh around that great ballpark arm and hammer ballpark down right. there what do you got coming out uh the next couple of weeks well i want to do uh, i want to do some uh, i want to do some things with some of the thunder guys uh and what's coming on some of the receivers like jordan foley are, uh, are doing are doing real well they deserve a story they'll be on clubhouse corner i work i write on uh, friday usually you see my stuff there on fridays uh, and sometimes on Monday, it depends on what's going on. Uh, still work for the agency, of course, is my day job. And then the other thing, uh, I'm tr- the other thing uh, with MLB, it'll be mostly Philadelphia. It might be a little bit New York, but uh, so far it's been pretty much Philadelphia. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's a great park to work in, and the Phillies are a great organization to deal with. So I certainly don't mind uh, when my assignments take me to Philadelphia. All right, Jed, you bring some balance to the force around here. Of all the craziness, so I keep tried. it up. Uh, <laughs> let's let's catch up soon. Love to catch up with you in person, and we'll be well, and we'll talk. All right, my friend. Come on down for one of the Binghamton games if you can. I think I'm gonna try to make it for sure. So we'll we'll talk offline and uh, be well, and we'll uh, chat and uh, and we'll talk soon. Have a great Sunday, my friend. You bet, Mike. Take care. Jed Weisberger at Zalman eight 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 on Twitter. Clubhouse Corner and MLB Correspondent and wealth of baseball knowledge. I've learned so much from him throughout my, uh, you know, amateur career here, so to speak. You know, whenever I dip my toe into the the pro rank over there, I've learned so much from him. So great stuff from Jed. And hopefully brought a little balance to what has been a crazy week and hopefully a Mets team that is starting two with five of seven, a sweep of the D-backs they got. A great opportunity with the Marlins coming in to do some damage. And then they have a tough road trip. They have Milwaukee. They have uh, uh, they have the Braves. Uh, they have the Subway Series coming up in a couple of weeks. So things are going to get tough. The rainouts, the days off, those compile. And then eventually the bill comes home. They have the Memorial Day doubleheader uh, next week. So, look, things are going to continue to get tough. And uh, hopefully they get Cespedes and Frazier. It's going to be hard to keep on a daily basis, teams to one or two runs. But uh, things are not as bad as everyone has thought they were over the last few weeks. And remember, it's an 89-90 win team. That's what I felt they were. And they're on pace to do just about that. So is that good enough to make the playoffs? We'll see. And uh, I, I think there's still a lot to feel good about with this team. And that does not mean they can't develop and improve and continue to work on improving the talent level throughout the minor league system. So. There's that. I think we had a, a, a fun little show here. Uh, we're out of time. I want to thank everybody. Hey, by the way, last minute here. looks like I'll be on WLIE again, so check me out on Twitter, at Mike Silva Media, for any of my other appearances on WLIE. Of course, I want to thank our friend Jed Weisberger, at Zalman888 on Twitter, Clubhouse Corner, MLB.com correspondent. I want to thank our good friends over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Of course, you can check me out all the time on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also at The Grueling Truth. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I'll see you next week. Memorial Day weekend show. Let's get it.